Welcome to Special Needs Navigators ABCs of Disability Planning podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm glad you're here. My name is Eric Jorgensen. I created this podcast to help parents navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services. I'm on this journey with you. My son is on the spectrum. I was widowed in 2012, and I beat cancer in 2020. I get that life throws us curveballs. Every week, my guests and I do a deep dive into things our families may come across. I don't spend too much time focusing on a specific disability. My intent is to help as many families as possible. You may already be familiar with some of these topics, others not so much. My goal is to increase awareness of and provide context around what's available, when to use it, and, if applicable, how to apply it. Let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Eric Jorgensen. I am the founder of Special Needs Navigator. I started Special Needs Navigator to help families navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services. Today, I have with me Brenda Hager of Special Considerations. Special Considerations is a life insurance company that offers final expense insurance for individuals with disabilities that may otherwise not qualify for insurance. Today, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to allow Brenda to give a brief introduction about herself, how she came to Special Considerations, what she likes about it, why she enjoys working with them, and the impact that she feels she's having with her clients. We'll do a little overview of how Special Considerations came into being and what makes them special, specifically how they're able to work with individuals who other companies may turn away. And then I want to make sure we understand just what final expense or burial insurance is. For those of you that are not familiar with it or have had questions and aren't sure where to ask. So with all that being said, Brenda, thank you for joining us. Welcome. And please give the audience a little bit of background about who you are and how you came to be with Special Considerations. All right. Well, thank you, Eric. Well, actually, back in the early 90s, I was a typical life insurance agent. And I had some clients in Hershey, Pennsylvania that had just had a baby. Baby was born with Down syndrome. And they called me and they said, Brenda, what do we do? What kind of planning do we put in place? And I said, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. So I started doing some research and I met Ruth Wolf and she and I ended up developing an agency within another agency called Special Needs Agency. And we specifically were doing estate planning for families, teaching them how to set up their wills and setting up trust so that they could protect assets for their child. Well, I ended up starting a family and I left Special Needs Agency to start my own family and Ruth continued on. Now, the interesting thing that kind of connected Ruth and I as well is Ruth had a son that was born with Down syndrome and I had a family member, it was actually my cousin who's about my age, who was born with special needs. And that's how we really got connected. And then when I left, Ruth continued on. And as her son got older, she started to look for life insurance to cover final expenses for her son. And she couldn't find anything. So at that time, she was also connected to a group called Golden Considerations, and she was working with them. They do typical final expense life insurance connected to funeral homes, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, when they realized that she was having her own difficulty, the push was on to find coverage and to find a company who would 
put a program together that would specifically serve the needs of individuals with special needs. And that's how special considerations really came to be. We formally became special considerations in 2010. Ruth's daughter, Allison Sanders, is the vice president, and she does a fantastic job. She was the one that really got special considerations really moving in this direction for the burial insurance. And so it was formally started in 2010. Around 2016, 2017, I was looking to get reconnected with this industry and long story short, got connected. And now I'm the regional director for special considerations. And I love working in this industry. I have a servant heart. I like helping people. And our program is just so different. We're the only ones that we know of that have something like this. And the other thing that's interesting, each one of us has a family member that has some sort of special needs. So that makes us, you know, kind of uniquely qualified to work in this community. I agree. I think there's something to be said when you are living it. I think you have a better understanding of what other families are experiencing. I know that's what brought me into this world and what eventually over the last eight years led to me starting Special Needs Navigator was my son and the challenges I faced. So what is it that makes special considerations unique? You know, when I talk to families in the past, there's been a lot of challenges with regards to some of them who have children with more significant health impacts, getting those children life insurance or, you know, final expense insurance or whatever you want to call it, because the insurance companies just think it's too much of a risk. How How is special considerations able to do this? That's a very important thing to talk about. Number one, let's start calling it burial insurance. Okay. And, there, and it is a life insurance product, Eric, but let's call it burial insurance because that's what the POMS refers to it as. What is POMS? What does that mean? Why is it important that we say that's what the POMS calls it? Because that is the program's operation manual for social security. We need to make sure that we follow their guidelines so that our product stays qualified for SSI and Medicaid. Thank you, Brenda. Mm -hmm. So life insurance and burial insurance, while they cover the life of the insured, the difference is on burial insurance, the proceeds of the insurance can only be used for funeral expenses. And when we write one of our policies, it is immediately irrevocably assigned to the funeral expense trust, which is a component of our burial insurance program. So immediately the money can't be used for anything else can't cash it in. It can only be used for funeral expenses. And the other thing that's kind of interesting, since I had the experience of working on the typical life insurance world, is when typical life insurance, when there's a claim put in, it usually takes about 30 days to get a claim paid, meaning the proceeds paid out. But with our burial insurance program, the claim gets put in and those proceeds get sent to the funeral home within 48 to 72 hours. So it happens very quickly. Wow. Yeah, it is really fast. So that irrevocable assignment is the key. And with our program, everyone is accepted. No one's turned away. So it doesn't matter what the special need or what the disability happens to be. Everybody is accepted. No matter what. No matter what. (laughs) Wow. And we have two plans. I don't know if you want to talk about the specifics. I think giving a high level of what you offer and then... Families who want to learn more can certainly reach out, but I think it's important that they at least understand what burial insurance looks like. I mean, it's not going to get anybody rich by any means, right? I mean, you said it goes to the funeral home. 
Yep, it goes immediately to the funeral home. And what keeps it qualified is number one, that irrevocable assignment so that it cannot be used for anything else. You can't cash it in, you know, for the money. It can only be used for funeral expenses. And discussing funeral expense planning is not, you know, something easy to talk about. Nobody likes to think about it, let alone plan for it. But I will tell you that once you do have those plans put in place, you have peace of mind. That component is, you know, set aside. We all know that sooner or later, we make light of this a little bit. You know, we all have a one out of one chance. Right. It's it's not like your other insurance, you know, you don't know if you're going to use it or not. You will use it. It'll be there and it'll be there when you need it. Some of the examples of things that you can use burial insurance for, let me just give you a couple like hit lists so people know. The funeral homes, their services, their staff, the actual burial or cremation, the memorial luncheon, obituaries, death certificates, opening and closing the grave, flowers, transportation. I had one client that the parents are older and the brother lives in one state and their special needs family member lives in another state. And so at time of need, they're going to need to transport to where the brother is and that's where their burial plots are. That's one of the things that's covered by the burial insurance program. All those things that I mentioned are just a short list of what it can be used for. And that, again, what it keeps it qualified. Speaking for my wife passed and it just felt like they had a line item for everything, you know, where it just seemed like the cost just kept going up and up. And I want to make sure that people understand when we're talking about this, we're not assuming that you have a young child who's never going to see adulthood. I mean, this could very well be adult parents who have an adult child. Maybe the adult child is as old as 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. In all likelihood, the adult child is going to outlive the parents. And right. this is just a way of making sure that whichever agency or trustee or guardian is taking care of your child when you're gone, they have a way of making sure that what you want or what your child wants is honored. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, the other thing about our program is it's the funds to provide for the things that we talked about just a little bit ago. And the other thing that's important to know is that our program, it doesn't matter what funeral home you use across the nation. It's very flexible. It's portable. And so one of the things a lot of parents like is you're not making decisions up front. You know, I'm in my 50s. I won't say where in my 50s, (laughs) but I've been around. And I remember in my 20s, when we first learned about cremation, I thought, oh my gosh, that's totally new and unusual idea. But now that's a very common thing. And I just, one of the things I like about our program being flexible, you know, there are a lot of green options that people are thinking about. I mean, we're changing the way we think about death and memorializing our loved one. And not having something set in stone gives you the flexibility at the time to do what's current or what the person wants or, you know, we just don't know when it's going to happen. But I like having that flexibility. I don't like being locked into who knows what, you know, if I would have made a decision in my 20s, I may not have selected cremation as what I wanted, but things change over time. And I like the flexibility of it. Yeah. And that's something I've seen with prepaid when I was a financial planner, people that would buy prepaid funeral expenses. Sometimes when you buy it through a funeral home, sometimes the cost would change because there would be blanking on specifics now. But I, I do remember, you know, they perhaps they bought a prepaid funeral in their 20s or 30s, and now they're in their 60s, and some things have gotten more expensive that they might have to cover. But to your point, you know, with regards to different options, you know, I, I've had clients who have mentioned that they want to, you know, they have the reefs 
that you have the option now to be buried in the ocean as part of a right. reef. You know, they have things where you can become a tree, not right. to be super morbid or anything, but no. it's fascinating what's out there now. Right. And I think, you know, as time goes on, there's going to be more unusual or not maybe unusual, unusual to us right now, but there's going to be different options. And the, the green options seem to be something that especially the younger generation is interested in. Yeah. Is there a financial limit when you set something aside for burial insurance? Is there a set dollar amount that it can't exceed? I mean, is there, yes. you can't have, okay. And it's based on the state. Okay. So typically most states will go high as 15,000. One five zero zero zero. Yes. It just depends on the state you're in. I'm in Pennsylvania, but we're across the nation, of course, but physically I'm in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania is a commonwealth. So in Pennsylvania, it goes by the county, but I think that's the only state that goes by county, but Medicaid actually sets that limit. No matter what, it won't be any higher than 15,000 because 15,000 is set by Medicaid. It could be above 15,000 depending because these policies grow tax-free. Okay. So if you happen to have an individual that starts with a $15,000, and I started to talk about the two plans, the single yeah. premium and the <laughs> multi-pay. That's okay. If we do a single pay plan and somebody starts off right off the bat with, let's say, 15000 and you know they are, time of need happens to be 20 years from now, that policy, of course, is going to grow beyond 15000 And this is where you were talking about it's got to be assigned to the burial irrevocably because we start talking about assets greater than $2,000, it affects Medicaid. Exactly. Um, right. So that's where you're talking about with Palms, the program operations manual for Social Security. Right. Their definition of burial insurance is a contract whose terms preclude the use of its proceeds for anything other than uh, payment for burial expenses. Even though these policies, and I don't want to get too technical, but even though they are categorized as whole life and whole life insurance has cash value, you cannot cancel the policy and pull that cash value out. And let me skip to another staying in the insurance world. On our programs, if we have somebody on a multi-pay, not a single pay, a multi-pay where they are paying it over time, over 10 years, if they get to the sixth year and for whatever reason, finances change and they can't continue to make that monthly premium payment, the policy goes into what's called a reduced paid up status. So it's not like they lose everything because they haven't reached the payoff of 10 years. It goes into a reduced paid up status and the insurance company bases the reduced paid up face amount on what premiums have been paid in and where they are in that 10-year payment schedule. Ideally, we wouldn't want families to plan for that, though. We'd want to, if somebody's going to be looking at doing a policy like this, we'd want to make sure that financially they're in a place where they can pay it for the 10 years if they're going to be doing multi-pay. Yeah, exactly. And you can combine the plans, which I do from time to time. Our single premium plan, and and when I say single premium, what I'm talking about is you make one single premium payment. You don't have to make any more premiums. It's paid off basically, and it will just start to grow. The other thing that's interesting on our single premium plan, you get an automatic bump up in the face amount. And it depends on what your age is. If you're younger, that bump up's going to be higher. If you're older, that bump up's going to be lower. But you get a bump up in the face amount. So for instance, let's say we have somebody buys a $5,000 policy and they're in their 40s. They're probably going to have a, an immediate face amount of 
$5,400. I'm just throwing numbers right, out right. there. And then that grows tax-free until time of need. For families that are listening, the high points here that I want them to understand is this is not really meant to get anybody wealthy. It's is the maximum. Um, Right. And it's because it's a death benefit, it'll be paid tax-free to the funeral home. Correct. And, you know, you can change funeral homes. So let's say the family is living in Florida right now, but they decide they want to move to, I don't know, Texas. You know, and so it could be set up with a funeral home in Florida now, but then... When they move to Texas, maybe they're going to care for a, another family member or something. They move to Texas, they can change funeral homes. It's even easier than that, Eric. You don't have to name a funeral home because we immediately irrevocably assign it to the funeral expense trust that's part of the policy. So okay. you don't have to name a funeral home until time of need. When I was talking about the single premium and the multi-pay, I was about to say we can combine those plans. If we have a situation where someone needs, they have money that they need to spend down. This happened with my cousin. She got the stimulus check and not just her, many people. We had some people this past winter that had gotten the stimulus check and needed to spend down and they didn't have anything in place or not much in place. So they started off maybe with a single premium of 1200 and then added a multi-pay. And it depends on the person's budget. We did a couple of those, what I call like a hybrid plan, where it's a single premium combined with a multi-pay so we can get the death benefit up to an amount that is higher. If I might, not to get too technical, but I would like to explain the difference in the death benefits between single pay and multi-pay. Okay. On a single pay, remember me saying that there's a bump up in the face amount. Mm -hmm. So if somebody took a policy out and God forbid something happened that next month, that full face amount, including the bump up, would be the available death benefit. Right. On a multi-pay, on a $5,000 multi-pay for somebody age 40, and I'm just using this number because I know it off the top of my head, that's about $51 a month. So they pay that $51 a month. Now, if the death benefit, because it's guaranteed issue, I mean, there's no underwriting, there's no medical questions, everybody's accepted, but the death benefit is a graded death benefit. So what that means is during the first 12 months, the death benefit is equal to premiums paid plus 3%. Right. And that's the way the insurance company is protecting themselves. Exactly. And it's better than what you'd get in the bank. The next 12 months, 13 to 24, if something happens during that second year, the death benefit is equal to 70% of the face amount. So if it had a $5,000 face amount, it would be a $3,500 death benefit. And then anything that happens after the 24th month, if something were to happen, it's the full death benefit. And the interesting thing is, even if they only paid into that policy for three years, you don't have to pay the other seven years. Remember I said it was a 10-year pay plan. No, if somebody passes away short of those 10 years, that that full death benefit is being paid regardless of if the full amount has been paid in. You don't, something happens in that third year, that full death benefit gets paid and nobody owes anything else. The purpose of the 10 years is the policy is paid off at that point. You no longer need to make any premium payments after the 10th year. Right. And the insurance company is banking on the fact that most people are going to be able to do their full 10 years of payments. Right. Yep. I think that's helpful. And then thinking about it from a planning perspective for families, it could be maybe they haven't done any planning 
And this could be a place where not just the stimulus, but maybe you've never applied for a Medicaid waiver. You know, you didn't know you could. Now you have an adult child, you're applying for a Medicaid waiver. You know, even if your child's receiving the disabled adult child benefits, so not receiving any SSI, mm-hmm. to qualify for the Medicaid waiver, you still have to get your resources down below the resource right. limit, right? Which exactly. is typically yep. $2,000. Exactly. That sounds like one opportunity where the money could, rather than spending it on a TV and a bunch of clothes or, or whatever people spend money down on, they could purchase this. And then exactly. the other way they could pay for it, if I understand correctly, Brenda, they could actually take money out of an ABLE account or a special needs trust, right? Exactly. And that's a great thing. Thank you for bringing that up. The ABLE accounts are wonderful. I had one family say, well, gosh, you know, we have the ABLE account, so I don't think we're going to set anything up with the burial insurance. And I said, okay, well, I understand that, but how can you guarantee that those funds will be available at time of need? Because I know how with my cousin, my aunt passed away a little over a year ago, and there's a couple of us, and I, and as you heard me say, I'm in my 50s, uh, there's a couple of us that are, you know, helping her. If something happens to me, maybe somebody else will forget that, you know, I wanted to use that money in the ABLE account for final expenses and they spend it on something else. And next thing you know, something happens and oops, there's not enough money in the ABLE account. So I encourage people to use the ABLE accounts, but also if there's funds in there, set that money aside. Because again, as you know, as I said earlier, we each have a one out of one chance of needing this. Well, and the trick with the ABLE account, Brenda, is when the individual passes, the state has the right to the money that's remaining in the ABLE account. So you can't after the person passes away, you can't take any money of that ABLE account. So if you have not paid for final expenses, that ABLE account funds are frozen until the state determines if they need to do a clawback for any Medicaid. Right. And so that could also take extra time. You may end up getting funds for burial and funeral, but it may take some time. Right. I know Social Security will give the 255 one-time payment. Yeah. In my personal and professional opinion, the way to do it is just not stress about it and get it in place. I mean, it's not something we any of us want to think about. And it doesn't have to be just used for individuals with disabilities. I'm thinking about my aunt. You know, we ended up doing a prepayment for her when we were putting in her nursing home because we had to get her same thing. We had to get our assets spent down. Yep, that's Uh, exactly... The only thing they would let us look at would be, you know, burial, because if we put it anywhere else, it would delay her getting services. Exactly. And that's a great point. My husband's mother passed away. Same thing. It's the same thing. Exactly. She had severe rheumatoid arthritis and dementia. And we had to quickly move her from her home into a nursing home. We had to do a Medicaid spend down. And now she did have some life insurance in place, but it was minimal. And so we went ahead and the little bit of money that she had left in savings and It's the exact same plan. The money bought the burial insurance with the funeral expense trust. And thank goodness we had that because when she passed away, we had the funds to cover funeral because there wasn't anything because of the spend down. There was nothing left. You know, when my wife died, I think it cost me, I mean, because I wanted a double plot because I wanted a bigger headstone. You know, these are things I didn't think about while she was alive. It was just after she was gone. And, you know, like I said, it seemed like they had a line item for everything. And I, at the end of the day, I think I ended up spending upwards of $20,000. Mm-hmm. And, I and I, I'm sure I spent more than I probably had to because I wasn't thinking. I had done no planning, right? By contrast, when we planned it out for my aunt and we put everything in place, it's probably about between eight and $9,000. So when you think about $15,000 being about what you're going to get, that's going to be enough for you know a funeral. 
and what you need. Yeah. Um, again, it'll vary depending on the funeral home and what you want done and things like, well, how many death certificates do you need? What type of vault do you want? I mean, everything has tiers and levels that you can spend a lot of money on if, if you're not careful. Yeah. And I will tell you it for many families, it's one of those things that we avoid planning this for ourselves, like you said. And for our individuals with special needs, it seems like it's one of those things that we just put off. And I had two families, two ladies, two moms recently. The one mom said she had my business card for like eight months and it just sat there and she just couldn't bring herself to pick up the card and call me. But she finally did and she saw how easy it was to set up. I mean, actually, we were in two different locations. It's all done via DocuSign. You know, there's minimal information, name, address, social security number, the amount that you want. We did it via DocuSign. We probably had everything set up within an afternoon and then it got submitted to the insurance company and she emailed me back and she said, I just have to thank you. I had no idea. You know, I put this off for so long because I didn't know how to do it. I was just dreading it. And you know, you guys made it so easy working with special considerations, made it so easy. And I have the peace of mind. And then I had another lady just recently, last week, she said, I thought this was a morbid thing, but she said, it really isn't. She said, it's a pre-planning and I just can't thank you enough for helping me through the process. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's one of those things that we don't want to think about, but once it's finished, you know, you have plans put in place. It's like, you can have a sigh of relief, you know that that part's done. Right. And I'm hoping people don't take this to seem like we're being super morbid, but the whole reason we're having this interview, this discussion, is to talk about final expense planning for your individual, whether you have the disabilities or you, someone you love has the disabilities. The last thing I want to say about this is I do want to highlight that this does not replace you doing planning for yourself. So do not think that, oh, I've got this burial insurance for my special needs child. I don't have to do anything now. No, you still need to make plans for you know, your child outliving you. That means, you know, do you need a special needs trust? Correct. Does your child have an ABLE account? Do you need guardianship? Have you applied for waivers? I mean, there's still a lot of other things to do. Yes. Um, this is just probably. One of the pieces of this very vast puzzle that you need to do, but you're exactly right, Eric. And then when it comes to the financial side of it, Brenda, this is where I get nervous because, you know, depending on who you're working with, some financial advisors may say, don't spend any money on final expenses for your child. You need to save it all for retirement or, you know, we can put it off. When you're doing the complete plan, when you're looking at your whole plan and you're talking to your attorney, your financial advisor, if you have them, this has to be one more piece of that puzzle. And you know, if it's important to you, and I'm not saying it has to be important to you, but if you decide this is important to you, then you need to have a conversation with Brenda or somebody else from special considerations to say, what should I plan for? Or if I put this into place, you know, how much is it going to cost? And then you can talk to your team and say, well, do we want to use the ABLE account to pay for this? Do we want to use that first check we get from Social Security because we know that first check is going to be bigger because it has all the back payments? Right. Do we want to do a multi-payment where we pay a little bit every month because that's going to be what's working with our budget? And this is where including Brenda in with your team is going to be so, so critical. And I'll get off my soapbox now, Brenda. I'm sorry. No, no, no. 
That's excellent. You did a great wrap up there. Don't want to leave any of this out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's tough, right? I mean, as a parent, what I hear all the time is you need to do these things and they all seem to be siloed. It's always you need to do this one thing. You need to do this other thing. And no, don't forget about this. Right. Well, who's talking about how all of that fits together? Eric is. <laughs> that's <laughs> why. To. Yes, that's why um, I love your, I saw a earlier today on, I guess it was LinkedIn, I saw a visual of a maze and an arrow shooting straight through the maze. And that's Eric. I'm trying, Brenda. (laughs) Because really, this kind of planning, when you're planning for your child, the planning you need to do for yourself, it's overwhelming. It's complex. And then you have all the government benefits and needing to make sure that you stay, you know, in line with what the requirements and guidelines are. No, you're absolutely right, Brenda. So if parents and families take nothing else away, because it may not be parents, it could be children caring for their parents, it could be siblings. If they take nothing else away, Brenda, what would you like them to walk away from this presentation? I would say what I'd like you to remember is that it is super easy. It's three steps. You contact me, provide some basic information. We do it via email. We have lots of different options available from single premium to multi-pay, and it can be done relatively quickly and you leave with peace of mind. And you know that it is not going to jeopardize your family members' government benefits. That's the biggest piece right there is it's not going to jeopardize benefits. And so if people want to learn more, they can go to the Special Considerations website. I have the website on and I'll have it in the show notes. Is email the best way to reach you, Brenda? I have have two phone numbers and I have an email. Email is probably the best. I keep my phone with me and look at email all the time. You can also, you see my cell number there. You can text or call either of those numbers. Just remember, Brenda's on the East Coast. So depending on where you are, take that into account with the time zone difference. Now, this has been awesome, Brenda. Thank you for making the time to sit down with us and share with us about special considerations. I know in the last probably month and a half, I've had at least six or seven people reach out to me asking about burial insurance and getting insurance for their child. So the need is definitely out there. And people are definitely asking the questions. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you, Eric. I really appreciate the opportunity to highlight our program. Awesome. Take care. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the ABCs of Disability Planning Podcast. We invite your feedback and comments. Please feel free to leave a review wherever you are listening, and don't forget to hit like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For more information, please visit us at www.specialneedsnavigator.us.